For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of the Urban Pitch Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have a legend in the building. The all-time U.S. leader in international appearances with 164 caps, represented the United States in three World Cups, and a member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Welcome the one, the only Kobe Jones. Right, thanks for having me. I was expecting like some clapping. I know. Yeah, we're <laughs> can you put that, that in there? Yeah, okay. we're gonna add that into the uh, post-processing. The <laughs> huge, crazy yeah, clapping a, going on. What right? an introduction! I All like right. that. Okay. Man, I'm so happy to have you. Um, I'm a fellow Bruin myself. And that's why I like you. All right, great. Awesome, <laughs> man. Uh, I'm going to jump right into it. How is a person of your caliber a walk-on on the UCLA team? I never mm-hmm. understood that. Can you bring us to, you know, how that happened? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's very easy. Um, when you think about it, when I was coming through, you know, soccer, soccer was still beginning. There's no professional league. The, the, the club structure was there, but it wasn't as, uh, you know, I guess involved in every aspect of the game as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, and even, and this still goes through now, the story that I'm telling you is that um, people slip through the cracks mm-hmm. and it happens, it happens all the time mm-hmm. uh, where people get missed and you will find a situation where a player of, you know, has talent, mm-hmm. you know, and they will not be found out by what is in place at the time. Right. You know, and, and for myself, you know, I always thought I was a good player. You know, I was never the star on my team, but I found a way to continue playing the game and continue to push, and it ended up working out in the end. So then were you uh, being recruited by other colleges at the time, and you just decided to go to UCLA, or did you really, like, totally slip through the cracks where you were not being pursued? No, I was I was not pursued, even though there are rumors wow. out there from uh, – I, I hear now, which mm-hmm. is a funny after thing. Fa- 20 fact, years later, yeah. Right. Guys <laughs> you know? trying to pretend like they knew you and, uh, like, they were going after you and they had the talent and they knew that? It's, exactly. Okay. I, guess I hear it from uh, mm-hmm. some high-level coaches, you know, mm. within, within MLS okay. and in the college world that say, oh, yeah – you know, I was trying to recruit Kobe Jones back then. I was mm. like, you know what? That's funny because I never got a phone yeah, call. I never phone yeah. never <laughs> right? You know, that, that never happened okay. whatsoever. But, okay. yeah, so I was uh, a straight-up uh, walk-on as far as UCLA. You know, for me, uh, growing up a Southern California kid, it was all about, you know, I, I, I realized that I would be in the UC system, you mm-hmm. know, somewhere. I mean, both my parents, you know, my mom's a teacher. My dad's a you know, Ph.D. scientist in chemistry. You know, so it was uh, one of those things. College was a definite, no matter what, you right. know. So for me, it was I was accepted at you know all the places that I applied, and UCLA was the one that would allow me to play soccer mm-hmm. as well as attend the school. Okay, so then coming on as a walk-on, uh, you know, a highly decorated coach, right, uh, Ziggy Schmidt, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, I, I hear different stories about how he was strict. How was it? Was it like an easy thing coming on? And as soon as you tried out, it was kind of like, okay, you're on the team. Or was this like an uphill battle? Uh, it was an uphill battle. I, I, mm. I'm just laughing that you say how it was. It was 
strict you know yeah. you're different stories and you only gave one option is okay. that he was strict yeah. you know yeah. i don't think <laughs> like, he, no, i've never i've never not heard, a whole lot of difference in the I've story never strict, heard strict, about strict, him strict. being like a laid back kind of guy no no he, he he's not the he was never at that time he yeah. wasn't a you know a laid back coach he was very strict yeah. and and regimented as far as what we were doing and you know at that age in college you, you kind of need that because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of distractions sure. you know in college uh, but going back to what you were saying, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of an uphill battle because when I, you know, walked on at UCLA, I was uh, brought onto the team. I made the team, but it was you know no scholarship, um, no 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 anything mm-hmm. really. I was supposed to redshirt, you know, my freshman year, and you know I wasn't happy with that. You know, I was I'm a little bit of a competitive person, mm-hmm. and it came it came just came to the front that I was going to redshirt. You know, there was the whole preseason where it was like, oh, you might play in this game, you might play in this game. But I realized, you know, as he told me that I was going to redshirt a few games in, that meant I couldn't play in anything, mm-hmm. you know, in any of those uh, preseason matches or anything like that, especially I still remember to this day playing uh, against CSUN. So my family came out and I thought I was going to play, but didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's when he told me directly that I was going to be redshirted. redshirted. Okay. You know, I was upset. You know, my family was upset. Um, I didn't want to redshirt. And, 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 and that was one of those moments. It's like, okay, what am I going to do next? And, and I talked over with my family and all that. And it was really where we said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to stick it out. And mm-hmm. I was going to stick it out there and just continue to do my best. Um, it came, it all came to a head when they actually had their first, uh, road trip mm-hmm. and they went back to Indiana and I was supposed to travel with the team. I still remember this. I was supposed to travel, okay. but two days before, you know, uh, Ziggy told me that I wasn't, that Mike Lapper was going to go in my place cause he was coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. And I was just like more upset mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, and I remember having to stay back and train with like Tim Harris and some of the other guys and to be honest, they got smacked. <laughs> you know, they right. took two games on the chin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ziggy was not happy. Uh, blue brain, as we like to call it, mm-hmm. where he just flipped out. Yeah. Uh, came back, and then they had another road trip the next week, and he said, you're coming. Mm-hmm. You're going to uh, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas tournament. We ended up playing, um, I believe it was, uh, Virginia was the first game, and Connecticut was the second game. Virginia mm-hmm. was Bruce Arena's team. I played half of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, did all right. So I got to start the next game against Connecticut and I got a goal and an assist in that game. And we ended up winning that game and I ended up starting every game thereafter. And use that UCLA. as the kind of the, okay. So then how did it go from you being this walk on to red shirting potentially for the entire year to, to going from that to making the U S national team and becoming the pro that you, you know, the career that you had, how did that, you know, was it like a steady bit by bit and you saw it What what time in your career did you realize that you had a potential to be a pro? Well, it, it's, it's a, it's a long process. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, everyone out there always thinks and they see it on TV and, and that's normal. You look on TV and go, Oh my gosh, how did they do that? That must be awesome. But yeah. until you're in it, you don't see what is built up you know, through the years, because it was that whole process of making the team. It was the consistent um, battle and doing well at that level, Mm -hmm. which got me, you know, into the national B team at that time, which was basically a bunch of, you know, high level college players. You know, so we would go on tournaments. And then from there, it was making the Olympic team, Mm -hmm. you know, which I had to do, which was like a a two year process of trying to make the Olympic team, which I was cut from twice, Mm -hmm. you know, from that Olympic team and ended up making the team and playing in the Olympics. And from there, from the Olympics, you know, they, the national team saw me and then it, 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 and, and that's it. It's, 
it's every process starts over again and right. again where you get to the top and then right. you have to start at the bottom so, again. so you didn't have this picture laid on your head it was just whatever you see right in front of you and just kind of conquering what was at that moment yeah i okay. i wasn't planning to play <laughs> soccer right. plus high school you yeah. know when it when it came down right. to it so for me everything was just like what's next what's mm. the next step okay. and what do i have to do to make that happen right. you know and people have to realize that that is a lot of hard work a lot of time and a lot of energy you know especially when there are setbacks because there will always be you know setbacks and no matter mm -hmm. what you do sure. it's just about how you handle it and how you if you are persistent and keep pushing forward okay and then you ended up having a professional career in the very beginning we, there was no us you know mls was not in existence at the time so you played a year in europe brazil how was that that experience you're yeah, a young guy right yeah, you were, what, yeah. 25 at the time 20, yeah. 24, 24 24 at that, that time i just had finished my first world cup mm -hmm. um you know under under um two years of mm -hmm. training down in, in mission viejo mm -hmm. you know to make that team sure. um yeah, I mean, it, it was an amazing, amazing experience because it was, okay, what's going to happen after the World Cup? Am I just going to go back to school, you know, or am I going to try to make it a professional career? You know, but then after I had a decent World Cup, I got, you know, called on a team in England, in the Premier League, it was Coventry City, and they asked me to come over and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I think that's kind of the moment where I was like, okay, I can see if I can make something out of this. Mm -hmm. And I pushed forward, you know, played a year in England. And this was, everyone has to remember, like I said, no league. There was talk of it starting, right. and they're trying to do the process. So all the national team players were being pushed out mm -hmm. to clubs to get experience and play for the next few years until the league started. Mm -hmm. So I did the year in England, did the year down in Brazil at Vasco da Gama, mm -hmm. and uh, which was a great experience. Yeah. I mean, you're Rio living in Rio. Rio. Living right. in yeah. Rio, no, yeah. No complaints. Yeah. I've been there, so it's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible, <laughs> let me tell okay. you. You know, <laughs> living at Copacabana Beach for yeah. a bit, living at Barata de Tijuca. Yeah, it was, it was rough. <laughs> well, well, so then tell us the, the thought process, right? Because now in 96, right, MLS is now being formed, okay? <clears throat> Mm -hmm. And you're, you're playing abroad, enjoying life, you're 24, 25, and you're playing high-level soccer. What made you come back? You know, because you were part of that initial, you know, heralded class of U.S. players playing abroad right. that helped start the MLS. What made you come back? Well, you just said it at the end, to help start MLS and help create something mm -hmm. that would, you know, live on in perpetuity, that would last forever. Because mm -hmm. no matter what anyone says out there or what to do, all of us that came back those those first years in 96 that were part of the national team and then started in 96 we can always look back as long as mls is around and say you know we were part of that group that helped start that, right. that helped launched professional soccer hopefully hopefully for the long haul mm -hmm. you know for forever in the united states and, yeah. and that's one thing that i'll be proud of and i think all of those guys you know from miola ramos you know Ronaldo, lawless you know those names mm -hmm. hopefully they're like uh you know granddaddy names that sure. go down in history so now that we're talking about the early years of the mls mm -hmm. right um, a lot of the people may not be familiar with this uh, mm -hmm. The, the shootouts back in the days, right? <laughs> oh, those were the good know, old days. So the audience, tell the people that might not be familiar with how the shootout was different, the penalty shootout. And uh, I want to ask you a few questions after that. Yeah, I don't even know the specifics of where we started. <laughs> I think it was, was it 35 or 40 yards out? I, I, I know, but I just know you had like five seconds though, right? To make yeah, it, it's, right? Yeah. It's, it's basically like a, a hockey penalty, yeah, right? It, that's the best way to look at it yeah. is, is at the beginning years of MLS, mm -hmm. you know, experimental league, you know, they wanted to 
you know, I think, you know, please FIFA, you mm. know, to try to be that experimental league. So mm. they would throw out anything or everything to kind of be the testing ground for FIFA, but also to try to make the, the game exciting. And they didn't want to have any ties because mm -hmm. everyone said, oh, ties are boring. Yeah, I've, I've, don't even get me started on that whole thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, what would happen is at the end of the game, if it was tied, each team would pick five players. And then it was kind of like a, imagine a regular shootout where you go to the penalty spot. But instead, you go to about 35, 40 yards out. Mm -hmm. You have the ball sit there. The referee would blow the whistle. And right. then you have five seconds right. to basically score a goal. Right. So to you do your moves, whatever yeah, you want to do. Do right? your move and score a goal. Okay. You had to sprint up and try to right. put it in the back of the net. I've seen some of your highlights on those, okay? They're on yeah. YouTube. If people want to look it up, okay? <laughs> Uh, what's the thought process? Are, is it more stressful, that style, do you think? Do you already have a, a planned idea of the move, the, the juke move that you're going to do on your goalie? How does that go? I've yeah. never, you know, experienced and I, I don't think anyone, you know, most people haven't. Yeah, everybody has an idea, you know, yeah. when you, once you start, you know, what you're going to do. But, right. you know, you're going against another live human being. Yeah. You know, they could throw everything out of whack. You okay. know, what did Tyson say? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Exactly. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's it. You yeah. know, so you have to adjust on the go. And the ones yeah. that were successful were able to adjust quickly. Okay. What are your thoughts on the current MLS landscape? I think it's absolutely amazing. It's only getting better. It's, you know, the sad part, yeah, it's mm -hmm. becoming a little bit more corporate, mm -hmm. you know, than what we saw in the past where it had a little bit more of that intimate soccer feel. But, you know, like any sport, as it gets bigger, you get, you know, bigger entities involved, and that's what we're having now. I, I, I do love the, the part that you are having ownerships, groups vying to get into MLS. Sure. You know, we got – she's – it's already about 20 teams right now, mm -hmm. going to be going to 22, uh, soon to be 24. And then I think they're going to do maybe four more after that. Mm -hmm. So t cap it at 28. And at that point, you know, it's done. Mm -hmm. You know, so you see all these ownership groups coming out of the woodwork right now, understanding that that's the moment and that's right. the point. And they are willing to put the money up. I mean, we're not talking like when MLS, you could have bought the LA Galaxy for around $7 million in 96. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at it now, 200 yeah, if, if I, I looked more. it up, but it's worth like 265. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. get in the league, they're talking about 200 million to, to yeah, yeah the with, a, with a stadium. Right. Yeah, with a stadium. <laughs> Not bad. Right. What are your thoughts on LAFC coming into, you know, the Los Angeles marketplace, right? You think it's a good thing to, to you know, battle against LA Galaxy here? Hell yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Okay. You, need, you need that. You need a competition mm -hmm. uh, within a city, within a region, because it only pushes the other team to do more and to get better. Right. You know, that that's extremely important. If the, For the Galaxy, I think it will push them to new heights mm -hmm. and with an understanding that if they don't perform at a variety of different levels from, from on the field to within the front office, mm -hmm. you know, they will get passed up. You know, now let's be honest, LAFC is starting at a lower point than the Galaxy sure. are, you know, without a doubt. But we all know LA, you know, fans can sh shift, yeah. you know, when the team's winning or losing. So you have to continue to do well. Right. Well, I have to ask this, though, even though you have strong ties as a former player, a former coach of uh, LA Galaxy mm -hmm. and and there's all of that past history. Right. What yeah. what are the odds of you, you know, however getting involved with LAFC in the future if they were to come and knock on your door and start <laughs> wooing you a little bit in some kind of capacity? Uh, look, my heart is all will always be with mm -hmm. LA Galaxy. That's part of my history, and sure. and you you can't change your history, you know, and where you're from. So, but also the way I like to put it is that I'm an LA kid. Mm -hmm. I'm from Los Angeles for the success of 
of any organizations within the city is is important to me. So right. I, I would be I'm happy to see you know a new club and organization coming into the frontier. Um, as far as them knocking on the door, I, I haven't heard any knocks okay. yet. So well, <laughs> LAFC owners, a legend in the house, uh, Kobe Jones. You know he, he's taking calls right for any kind of opportunities, <laughs> lucrative opportunities that may come his way. <laughs> you said it. You yeah, said it. Yeah, I, I said it. All right. <clears throat> One thing that I knew growing up um, is uh, when I was watching you play, I couldn't name five guys that were on the U.S. men's national team at the time, you know, early 90s, mm -hmm. right, mid-90s, but I, I could, Kobe Jones, right off the top of my head, first first thing, right? And I mm -hmm. think part of that was the fact that you had that, uh, that swagger, you know, you always had the hair, the dreads, which you still do, rocking, not quite as long now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta go more corporate, Yeah, right? go a little you know, bit more know. corporate, it's not, you know, you don't got the blonde tips mm -hmm. and all that. You know, you still got the, the megawatt smile though, right? So I try. Yeah. <laughs> you had that swagger that transcended kind of the sport, I think, right? Not mm -hmm. only that, I think you were not, I think you were a groundbreaker, you know, one of the first African-Americans really in U.S. soccer being out there. Um, are there any players nowadays that kind of have that kind of swagger? Because I, I feel like U.S. soccer doesn't have the swagger that I think would add that extra element of excitement. Are there any players that kind of, you know, come into your mind when you think of that? <clears throat> it's funny. If you look, you're talking about the current national team. Current national team or even in U.S. soccer in general. Uh, you know? yeah, yeah. Are there it, any it, guys it, that are exciting that kind of bring that swagger that kind of, you know, evokes that memory? It, it, it's tough. You know, if I look at, you know, I look at the current national team, you, mm. you know, you would say like what Dempsey has a little bit of a swagger, sure. you know, uh, Jermaine Jones has a little bit of that swagger. Mm -hmm. You know, those are players. It's, it's different yeah. than, you know, like what you're talking about yeah. in the past because I think, now U.S. soccer and the players there have an understanding of where they're at and, and, and feel, okay, we're at a certain level. I think um, part of the difference is, is, so I can say no, no one is like how we were, part, mm -hmm. that we're in the past because the swagger that we had mm -hmm. also coincided with the chip on the shoulder because sure. we had something to prove. Right. Nothing because, to lose almost, right? Exactly. Nothing mm -hmm. to lose and something to prove. Mm -hmm. you know, no one believed that we could do anything. So we had to have a swagger beyond the norm that was like, I don't – I don't give a darn who you are, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to step up and, and we're going to go toe to toe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how it, how it was back then. I think it's a little different now because we have, you know, the national team bringing in players that are playing in, in Europe and playing from all over. Sure. And the people I remember in the nineties, I mean, most of, most of us were college kids, yeah. you know, so we, we had a, a different view of everything as far as, you know, who's there now, maybe there's some up and coming guys, right. you know, that uh, will have a little bit of swagger. I'm, I'm interested to see how Pulisic is, mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, I mean, he's playing, mm -hmm. he's playing over in Germany and sure. Leverkusen. So it's like, it's very different, mm -hmm. you know, as far as uh, the swagger. Okay. Did, did that, I want to say confidence slash cocky attitude that you had, did, was that a help or boon for your career and help you? Or was that kind of something that maybe uh, kind of intimidated people and, and held you back a little bit? Uh, I, I think it was, uh, I, I look back now, I think it was a boon for my career as mm. far as on the field, because that's what gives you a little bit of confidence. Um, look, you're not always successful. It, it, you have uh, setbacks and it's how you deal with those setbacks. And I think you have to have that swagger and self-confidence to kind of put those failures behind you to keep mm -hmm. moving on in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's where it's always good. Maybe after the fact, when you're just, when it's all said and done right. uh, with your career, maybe you stepped on some toes and some people <laughs> didn't like it, mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, Tough. I'm, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't yeah. change a thing about how I was because it got me to where I am today. Right. And I'd say I'm pretty happy with that. Okay, good. Good answer. Okay, today then, what are your main out interests outside of soccer? 
What are you into? Uh, traveling. Kobe, Kobe Jones as a, as a person, <laughs> besides the play. Traveling, okay. Uh, tra- you're talking outside of like charitable stuff and all, yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, like know, your, you know, personal. Yeah, personal, my, yeah, my family. You enjoy. Like spending time with my family, you okay. know, my kids. I got two little boys that, mm-hmm. you know, I love to death, Caden and Kai, you know, my wife. You know, we, we try to uh, spend time together there mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's a lot of sacrifice uh, when when you're an athlete or even just right when you're getting out of the career and even now because i i travel so much with what i do that i spend a lot of time away so spending time with my family is important traveling with my family is an important part because that's one thing my parents gave me i traveled a lot when i was a kid just like on vacations with my family and i think that is probably one of the best educators Mm -hmm. of of, uh, life educations for kids is to be able to see different cultures different people you know because that uh, you know but I say it's hard to be a, a racist, a culturist, or whateverist mm. if you experience all those other things and sure. realize that we all have the same goals, is right. to provide for our immediate family. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so you mentioned two boys. Are they into soccer as well? Uh, well, they are young. They are six and three. Mm-hmm. And the six-year-old we put in soccer just started his uh, AYSO. And I have, have to admit, you know, he's kind of like, eh, with the easy, he's more, he's more basketball. Okay. You know, he, he, right. like, he likes basketball a lot more at this point, right. you know, in his life. The young one, the three-year-old, he loves kicking the ball, mm-hmm. you know, but just around the house. I'm not sure how he'll be right. uh, once I get him to, into some organized sport. Okay. I'm curious, uh, Kobe Jones's uh, playlist, like when you're traveling and you're relaxing, what's on your play- playlist? What kind of music are you into? Uh, any R&B, hip hop, mm. uh, maybe a little. Uh, you know what, mm-hmm. this, this is always a funny thing when you talk about music. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like maybe I'm getting older or something, but I can never tell the difference from when they say house music or dance music okay. or what, you know. Yeah, I'm in but, the same boat. But it's I like, okay, the same camp maybe if it's dance or house, whatever yeah. it is with a mix of hip hop thrown in. I'm not uh-huh. sure what that would be. Okay. Would be. I mean, I hear all these crazy things where, yeah. you know, I was sitting next to this DJ one time. He said, yeah, he's a DJ for trap music. Okay. I was like, what's trap music? Right. I have no clue. Okay. So we, are we still gravitating <laughs> towards more of the, the older stuff, like the old school? Because I'm still old school. I don't really listen to yeah. the new hip hop and rap. Uh, I, I don't listen so much to the new hip hop and rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like uh, some of the some of the new music out, but I, I do like the old stuff as well. I'm always w- willing to listen to anything and everything. Okay, awesome. All right, what do we have to look forward to from you? For your fans that are out there that want to uh, continue to see what you're doing, we know you do a lot of uh, work on TV and whatnot. What are some of the things yeah. that we have to look forward to seeing from you? Well, I've just, uh, you know, I've just finished up uh, my first uh, soccer camp, you know, the right. Kobe Jones Elite Soccer Camps. I've okay. been doing those and just starting to push those out, okay. um, you know, all over, you know, the southwest region okay. uh, of the United States. So that's one thing that I'm starting to heavily get involved with because, you know, for me, it's about um, everything that I've learned, trying to teach a little bit from a from a young from a young age and mm-hmm. give basically all those young kids the experience that I didn't have because okay. that people forget like when we were growing up I had a football coach as my soccer coach mm-hmm. a lot of the time so now it's great to be able to be a player a former professional player national team player and teach young kids so they can say from an early age that they had someone that has experienced it that has been there and knows how to do it awesome okay other than the coaches uh, or the coaching for the the kids which uh, I know we and we have online we'll have the information uh, what about from like a broadcasting or a work and professional level do you have anything uh, else coming up that's yeah, special uh, well you know every every year in MLS mm-hmm. is special so I'll yeah. be on I'll be on spectrum um, doing the galaxy games okay. again this year I am working towards continuing with working with Fox uh, as we 
as Fox ramps up with everything with the Confederations Cup and the World Cup, you know, so I'm working hard to be on one of those teams that's in, uh, within the next World Cup in Russia. You know, so those are, those are some of my goals that I'm working towards right now. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Pitch Podcast. Uh, I have to say that uh, today was extra special with the legend of the house. Uh, uh, thank you once again for coming out. No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate All right. it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.